Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. I'm your host for today, Michael Monroeville Mall Rothman. I'm bringing it back, bringing back Monroeville Mall. You know why? Because I realized at least, I don't know, maybe a week ago, which is about eight or nine months into this year, that uh, A, I haven't seen Rose Red, and B, I wasn't on the Rose Red episode. So C, why the hell am I using Rose Red as my nickname for this year? So (laughs) we're going back to Pittsburgh with at least my nickname, and uh, we're going to go with Monroeville Mall Rothman, which is what I'm going to be keeping here in my mind going forward. But guess what? We're not going to Monroeville Mall. We're going to Castle Rock, specifically Castle Rock Kitchen. Yes, the new book by author Teresa Carl Sanders. And we're gonna be talking to her today. And I'm not gonna be alone in that conversation. I have uh, one of my favorite co-hosts. I'm gonna be, I wanna play favorites today. (laughs) Possibly my favorite co-host. Yes, (laughs) Jen, please introduce yourself. (laughs) Hey, this is Jen, the best co-host. Yes, seriously. (laughs) I'm sorry. We kid. We love everyone equally. We do. We do. I can't, you know, some of my best friends are on this podcast, but look, you are my best friend too. So that, that's, not a, that's not an equal, you know, Same. there's, there's, there's no modifiers here. So, um, right. Jen, are you, uh, are you, are you good in the kitchen? Cause I'm not, I'm, I'm, I know what two or three things in the kitchen and that's it. I am. I'm okay in the kitchen. I don't cook that much. Cause, um, Corey and I got in a big fight a long time ago about cooking, so I yeah. just haven't cooked dinner in like years. So. Yeah. But yeah, when I like to cook, then I can do do some pretty cool stuff. You know, I recently discovered Pampered Chef. So what is Pampered Chef? All my money. What's it's, that? Um, it's a line of like really expensive kitchenware stuff, okay. but it's okay. really fancy and cool. I have a specific like thing that's for knife tasting or knife testing and knife tasting that would be a knife bad tasting idea. yes yeah. like, well, let me see uh, if i can fit this in my mouth um yeah so i'm I, not a spokesperson for pampered chef let's just say okay okay well i i'll be a kind of a spokesperson for this next uh uh plug i was a huge fan of blue apron during the pandemic like mm-hmm. i i was cooking every night during the pandemic because A, there's nothing to do. I don't know why I keep doing this A, B, C thing. Well, we're just going to go with it. <laughs> so A, there was nothing to do. And B, um, you know, I didn't really want to go to the grocery store. So we just kept ordering Blue Apron. And I had a blast with it. And I was really mm-hmm. feeling like I was, uh, I don't know, the show wasn't out yet. But I guess in, in hindsight, I probably felt like I was the character in The Bear. Um, you know, just like, <laughs> just, you know, preparing all these great mm-hmm. dishes. And I saved all the recipes because they come in these like cool little cardboard things. Uh-huh. And so I was like, all right, I'll make them one day. And so uh, a few months back when I was like, all right, let's see if I could, if I retained any knowledge from cooking. And I pulled out one of the menus, uh, not menus, one of the recipes. And I absolutely botched it. Just like, oh. just destroyed it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, so I'm not going to be uh, Emerald anytime soon or anything. But yeah. uh, the, the good news is that I, I did try it again because I'm the type of guy that's, uh, I'm, I'm like Rocky. I, you know, I don't, I, I, I keep going. I, I keep running mm-hmm. up the stairs. So I did try it again. I managed to ace a meatloaf, which makes me think. Oh, nice. 
that I could possibly manage to successfully cook any one of the recipes that we have here in Castle Rock Kitchen. Look, I brought it all back. How about that? Yeah, I brought it all nice. Back. Um, Jen, you had a chance to look through this. Obviously, we both did because we interviewed Teresa. But uh, mm-hmm. were there any recipes that you know caught your eye that you really want to try to make? Oh, the cheesecake. Yeah, yes. me too. I that's Corey is a really good cheesecake chef, so I want to give him that recipe and have him make it for me. So yeah, yeah. but there's a lot of really good stuff. The lobster pickings too. It's like, mm. yeah, I, there, there, uh, there's, I think the, um, the, there's like fig bars or some, some bars that have to do with the long walk that uh-huh. I really love. And I really want to try to make those. And, yeah. uh, there was another one that was like, a like a, a dinner dish that looks absolutely, oh, the, the, the blue weight, the blue plate special from 1122 mm. 63. I really mm-hmm. want to make that. And also I'm a big breakfast guy. So I really want to make pancakes with the tozers. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. There's a French toast casserole, yes. I think that looks yep. really yummy. The, mm-hmm. the dog days French toast, which is from Cujo. So, yeah. you know, you're all probably sitting here and thinking, <laughs> what the fuck are they talking about? And these are all <laughs> right. recipes again in Castle Rock kitchen. It's out October 4th and we're going to talk to the author right now. It's a great conversation. 45 minutes. Uh, really get into the nitty gritty on how she made this incredible book and also how she managed to work with Stephen King, who wrote a foreword for this book. Which is so cool. It's very cool. And he's got, it's it's such a Kingian sort of intro with with just Mm -hmm. filled with jokes and filled with local flavor, uh, no pun intended. So uh, (laughs) should we get to this interview? I feel like- Yeah, let's do it. Let's just do it. (laughs) Hello. Hello. First off, thank you so much for doing this. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was so excited for this book the second it was announced because, um, what can I say? I am a, I'm a sucker uh, for <laughs> for the themed cookbook. I'm a su- sucker for themed like eateries themed everything in a way. But uh, you know, you really gotta kind of have to toe a line to make it um, really work without it becoming um, tacky. And I and I just love this. This is just mm-hmm. the perfect oh, organic good. way to go about it. First off, I am Michael Rothman of the Losers Club. This is my co-host Jen Adams. Hello. Hi, so, Mike and Jen. Nice to meet you. Nice to well, meet you. Very Thank nice you so to meet you. Um, and I wanted to start at the beginning because we ask every one of our guests this, the same question, but I think it's a good question to ask, especially on the topic of King, mm-hmm. which is what is your Stephen King origin story? What was the first book or first time that you came across his work? <laughs> um, the first time I came across his work was actually the movie adaptation of The Shining. Mm. Okay. Um, his favorite so that movie. Was, <laughs> no, that, yeah, exactly. I hate yeah. telling this story because I know I have doesn't like it. Um, <laughs> and I don't think I made it much past the elevator scene. I was only about eight. And anyway, yeah. and then about six months later, my best friend in the whole world, we're still best friends. We've been friends since we were five years old. That's almost 50 oh, wow. years. Almost 50 years. We were up at Whistler. So I don't know. That's a ski resort near Vancouver. Yeah. And my, my family had a cabin up there in the 70s. And uh, we were, we were the, I think we were eight or nine and we were babysitting the not the, the six-year-old boy that was with my parents' friends. And we were supposed to be really good. But instead, Jessica started scaring me and she started running around. I wish you guys could see me, but with her index finger, red rum, red rum, red rum. Oh, oh my gosh. God. <laughs> And if the kid, if it had been now, the kid would have had a phone and he would have had video evidence of the whole thing. But it went on for a long time. And eventually I was, I was bigger than her um, and she was wearing my house coat. And so to put a stop to it, I wrestled her out of my house coat and pushed her outside onto the deck. 
Oh, wow. Where she promptly would have frozen to death very quickly had she not decided, had she not promised never to do it again. Yeah. Um, A la The Shining. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Smash cut to the face. Um, right, right. But I really started reading King, I think, after I married my husband, who's a huge King fan, um, huge horror fan in general. Um, and it was with the the basics the stuff at the very beginning again the shining i made it through that time um and the stand and the stand is i think probably it's one of my very favorites um same yeah i was gonna yeah. say the same as jen oh. me too yeah. Yeah. um i could read it it could be a, a book that like a, a desert island book for me because i just think you can read it over and over and over again um yep. and, and i have <laughs> yeah and i i now have to um and taken very laborious notes about the food in it. And there's a lot of food in there, which is another reason why it's my favorite. One of my favorites. Mm. Um, and then the other one I really, really like is 112263. Ah, love that one. Mm. And I'm a, I'm a time travel. I'll try anything, read anything, watch anything that's time travel. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned 1122 because uh, so we have a section on the podcast called Pound Cake <laughs> and we call it Pound Cake because it's more like the smuttier instances in his works. And it's because yeah. you know the innuendo for the book is and they call it Pound Cake. Um, <laughs> but we've always talked. I mean, we've, you know, for the past five years doing this podcast, anytime we come across like if we go to a, a store. And it just says pound cake on, on a package or something like that. We always take a photo and just share it. So when it comes to food for King, that is one of the first things we go to mentally is just like, oh, yeah, yeah pound cake. That makes sense. I, um, wish I, I wish I had known that. I would have made a pound cake just for you. I, you oh. know, it's funny. We, <laughs> it was the first thing I thought of uh, when I was going into this. Cause, but then I was like, oh, that's kind of a gross thing to, to when you think about it. Um, just to give Jake and Sadie having sex. But no spoilers, I guess, for we haven't gotten to that book. But um, <laughs> But so, you know, in terms of the food, though, what, what food did you grow up with and, and how did you get into, you know, the, the world of cookbooks for this? That's a good question. I um, I grew up in Vancouver, BC. I was born and raised there. Um, and Vancouver, even in the 70s, had a really good food scene. And my dad loved food. My dad had um, been sent to Europe for work many times. And so he developed an affinity for good food and good wine. Um, and we used to eat out all the time and, and at, at a lot of, at a time when not like now, like nobody really ate out then, but I grew up in restaurants. So I was really lucky. I learned how to behave in restaurants too, just with my dad. That one, <laughs> that one look across the table, boy, that could stop everybody. It's important. Um, it's very important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then at the same time, as I was growing up, um, my friend again, Jessica, her mother loved to throw parties and I was um, allowed to come and help all the time. And the other thing she had was a lot of food magazines. So she had, and Martha Stewart cookbooks from in the early eighties and things like that. And I grew up reading cookbooks and um, recipe and food magazines. So when I write recipes, it's pretty, I think it just comes from a deep part in my brain. I also have, I'm a trained cook. So I, I sort of had this weird, my dad wanted me to be a cook and it never happened. And I traveled and I met a guy in England. And when we got back here, I was 25 and everybody told me, okay, time to stop goofing around time to get a real job. So I got a real job and I hated it. Um, <laughs> I hated every minute of it. And finally my husband begged, used to beg me, beg me to quit. 
and I quit. And then we moved to a small island and we've, we've lived there for the last 18 years. We just moved oh, wow. recently, um, but wow. we moved to a small island in between Vancouver and Victoria. And after my dad died, I had an opportunity to reset and go back to cooking school. So that's what I did. I went back and moved in with my mom and helped her adjust for the first six months and went to cooking school at night. Um, and then I went back to the small little island and worked at little restaurants and made bread and breakfast buns for the farmer's market for many years. And then one day I was walking in the woods and I thought of this idea um, for a recipe from a book called Outlander. Yeah. And that's, I've written two cookbooks based on Outlander by Diana Gabaldon. Um, and that's when it started. That started in 2009. It's incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that hell of a journey too. And honestly, there's a lot of connective tissue with us because uh, one of our first co-hosts, um, Allison Shoemaker, uh, she actually left this podcast to start an out or she, at the time, maybe she did have the podcast already, but it's called um, Podlander. And so she has an Outlander <laughs> podcast. So there's this, we do have a marriage here of the, story, uh, the, <laughs> of the two, the two uh, IPs. There's uh, a lot of common fans. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I think at the well, time she was like, all right, I, I'm, this is the, I could see the fans here. I'm going. And we were like, it, yeah, it, the door is always open. So yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Jen. Well, and I imagine, oh, you're fine. No, I imagine there's, there's kind of similarities between the two kind of styles of cuisine also, cause they're both kind of Island um, areas, but did you find it kind of harder to get into the headspace of a cuisine from a place that you're not from? If that um, makes sense. And you mean, you mean main cuisine, main, main cuisine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, we, st Stephen King said yes to the project on January 21st, 2021. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah. And, uh, and, oh no, sorry. 2020. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, great year, honestly, <laughs> for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so much time in the, to be able to work on it for sure. I would right. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Um, and so I was reading and reading and reading all through the pandemic. Like one of the things I love about King's writing is um, that he does bring a lot of food into it. And you mentioned The Shining. One of my favorite scenes is when they're walking through the pantry and, you know, they're just <laughs> listing the food. And I just find it so soothing. And so it's, there's just a comfort to that scene. <laughs> and I think like food is such a unique way to share culture. And I find that King is really good at that. Um, so what was the origin of wanting to do a Stephen King cookbook? Well, I had finished Outlander Kitchen, the second one, and I was looking for a new project and to write a fictional cookbook. I really wanted to do another one. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a few, few things you need. You need a prodigious author, which is a mm -hmm. chance for Mr. King. Um, you need a big, <laughs> you need a big fandom. And you need them to include food in their books. And I'll be mm. honest, I read I read them in the order that they were published. Oh wow! So uh, Carrie has a hamburger and a root, <laughs> and at that point I was like, oh geez, <laughs> that's a good idea. And then I moved on, and then by Salem's Lot, there's a pretty nice sounding bolognese sauce in there, like a spaghetti sauce. And mm. by the time, and then the last book that had been published. When I when I started reading um, was Elevation, yeah. And Elevation mm. has a gourmet Mexican restaurant in, mm -hmm. <laughs> in Castle Rock, so there is so much food, and it really evolves. Like it, it, at the beginning, in the early books, it's all really Maine comfort food. Anything that's in Maine, it's there's chop suey, there's chop suey everywhere, and it, this is a, 
a funny thing because when I wrote to him to ask him the idea and I came up with the proposal, I had chop suey and I had never heard of anything but Chinese chop suey. So my chop suey was barbecue pork chop suey. Yeah. Well, <laughs> which made me look pretty dumb. Um, if you're from New England and you ha- know that chop suey is basically macaroni, canned tomatoes, ground beef, and a few other things, depending on where you are. It's really tasty, but it's not huh. like the chop suey that I, this Vancouver mm. kid on the Asian Pacific Rim yeah. thought it was. Mm. <laughs> yeah, as I was reading through it, I like there were a lot of like main isms and you can tell that there's this really deep cultural connection to the place, which is something you can feel in King's writing. Actually, I got a little misty when I was reading some of the introductions because I can just feel the love for his stories coming through the recipes. Um, how did you go through like you mentioned like reading through them chronologically, but how did you compile your list and how did you go about pulling the quotes that you use to introduce the recipes? I read on a Kindle. Um, and so I highlight every mention of food, you know, that pantry scene in The Shining. That's, mm-hmm. a, that, that's a gem for me. If I need a filler recipe, then I can, <laughs> I can go to that pantry and pick out a couple of ingredients and make up something that's really not even there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also... Um, even he, a lot of authors do, or things just come up, things are described as food or something pops into my head when I'm reading and I think, oh, we could make a recipe out of that. And then Mm -hmm. once I've got it all, once I've read everything, I throw it, I I type them all into a worksheet, an Excel Mm -hmm. spreadsheet. Um, And I think at the time when I started the proposal, I had 600, like 600 lines of food mentioned. So I I take everything everything, all the duplicate mentions, I write all those down because once you're, once I start compiling a table of contents, then I'm looking for the best excerpt. It's Mm. the art, it's the art of picking the excerpt. So, you know, like chop suey is mentioned probably 20 times in 40 books. So you have to pick the best chop suey. Mm. And and what happens in books as as well in in life is when people are sitting around a table eating or even just having a sandwich at lunch, they start talking about things and emotions come up and poignant scenes happen with food. Mm -hmm. And that's something I really learned in Outlander Kitchen is how to pick the right excerpt because, you know, it's mostly oatmeal and bread (laughs) ale. (laughs) So you have to pick the best porridge excerpt you can. And the same thing happened with Mr. King. He likes tuna fish sandwiches. He likes chop suey. There's a few things he repeats over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that evolution happens and it's in, into, we get into the 21st century and there's so much good food in all those books, but we had to narrow it down. So we narrowed it down to his stories that take place in Maine. Mm. So that means we left quite a few stories behind. Interesting. So we left okay. the stand behind. I mean, we could have... We could have started with the stand because it does start, mm-hmm. but I, I chose to leave it behind. But I, the shining, um, there's a, a great last scene in the shining when the Torrances go to visit Dick Halloran at the very, very end. And he's in Maine. So we have Dick Halloran's baked beans, which are very close to my heart because he's, mm-hmm. he's cooking baked beans when they get there. Um, and that's a big Maine food. That's a huge mm-hmm. Maine that's the first one I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm like, I'm like, all right. I, I'm, you know, I did Blue Apron during the pandemic and I was like, I'm learning some some things. And I thought after a year of doing it, I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to 
be a fucking pro at this. And then like <laughs> I go and I have I saved all the the the, the recipes. And then I went to try like one and it flopped. And then I tried a meatloaf, which is the easiest one ever. And I was like, okay, this, this is good. So when I was looking mm. at the, the, the recipes, <laughs> the baked beans for the first ones I, I, I came upon, I was like, I, I can get this. And I, and you know what? I love baked beans. So this is what I'm going to try. So that's going to be the first one I go to. Um, you know, you, I, I, the process is really smart. And I think it's, it's so interesting too, because I, I, I just, while thinking about this and just pouring through the entire book, I just, I started getting overwhelmed. Cause I was just like, I was like, Oh my God, like there's so much research that must've gone into this, not only for just the stories, but then you also go the extra mile and like, you know, for example, you have like the pantry notes and you really add some authentic, like authenticity by stressing like, no, like I also did my research about what they're doing in new England. And as you mentioned with the chop suey, yeah. What like what was the process for that like when you had to go you know mm. beyond the this the the books like did you have to like I don't know like call up shopkeepers and <laughs> or talk to historians <laughs> or chefs or how did that go I I did I I made a few calls looking for uh, Alan's coffee brandy which he mentions quite a bit in his earlier books um, and it is the I don't know if it's still true but when I was writing the book it is the most popular liquor in Maine. So it's more popular than vodka. Um, and only beer and wine sales outstrip <laughs> Alan's coffee brand. But that you can't so get wild. it. You can't you certainly can't get it in Canada. I don't know if you can get it outside the state. You probably can in a few neighboring states. Um, so that was a tricky one. But mm. but mostly it's cookbooks. There's some really nice cookbooks. The Lost Kitchen is one um that's um a main, a main centric cookbook. And there's lots mm. of old Maine is really great for archiving all their old stuff all their old recipes and uh, like agriculture all this stuff online and it was Mm -hmm. pandemic it was the pandemic so I was stuck um at home most of the time on a small island like at at, for many months we couldn't even leave the island oh wow it was late yeah it was a bit of a penal colony um (laughs) and that's like Dolores Claiborne uh, we always, Uh, always had toilet paper though our yeah. Grocery, oh. Our grocery store manager was like, he was the toilet paper king. Amazing. Nobody, yeah. walked, nobody <laughs> walked out of there with more than one um, package of toilet paper. Sorry, <laughs> I did. Um, did well, you find any books where you couldn't find anything to write about any mention of food? Yes, I did. Um, I'm just trying to think of one, but the dark half, I think, is one. Interesting. Um. Yeah. I mean, there is, but he, most of the time, there's a lot of soup being heated up. I think in the mm. dark, if I mm. if I recall, um, mm-hmm. and there were a few others. I mean, I read a lot of short stories too, as many short stories as I could find that take place mm-hmm. in Maine. I know I missed some because I found them after, um, <laughs> but uh, it. it, it online and 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 cookbooks and i talked to mr king i talked to stephen king um for, i had a half an hour with him on the phone and he told me a bunch about what his grandmother and his mom used to or his mom used to make um and so and he and we talked about my my narrator he i, I think he thought mrs garrity from the long walk was a bit of an odd choice um for a narrator <laughs> I was going to ask about that. That's an interesting. Yeah, yeah. no, and, and and we can talk about it. Uh, we can talk about it later. But uh, but it worked for me, and it. Uh, I think she adds a, a depth to the book. 
I didn't, I didn't want to pick somebody that already had a voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mr. Smart. King had already given a voice to. Um, mm-hmm. and I've had a couple of suggestions from people and like Dick Halloran, which I think is, <laughs> is not appropriate. So, um, <laughs> and, um, and I don't think I could really pull off a Southern black man's voice, to be honest. Whereas Mrs. Garrity kind of popped up in the long, the long walk. It's the first book he ever read or ever wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and she only, I think she has three words in total. Um, but she's lived in Maine all her life. She's certainly not getting out of there, is she? So she's stuck there and she's mm-hmm. got all the history and all the cookbooks of her foremothers um, to draw upon. And so that's, and, and I got to sort of mimic Stephen King without copying Stephen King, mm. my ultimate nightmare. Yeah, that's an interesting point that she doesn't really have a voice. So you're adding, you're essentially giving her one. Um, and I'm curious, how did you get King involved with this? And did he give you any insight into Mrs. Garrity? Or, and what was his response to you kind of giving her a voice? Um, we, I have an agent who can talk anybody into anything, give her two floors <laughs> on an elevator. Oh, nice. Uh, she's, <laughs> Can you send her my number? <laughs> and I think she probably pulled in a favor to get uh, um to get his agent's name and number. And um mm. they talked and he was very gen- he's passed away now. Um, but he was very, very generous um and took it to to Stephen King and Stephen King said yes. And I, I mean she was in traffic in LA when she called me and I was in on my tiny little island on and Pender and I went out to the balcony and screamed hurrah um and that was about two, <laughs> that was about two weeks before the pandemic hit and then and we went nowhere for six months after. oh wow wow yeah he um <clears throat> he, I think he thought she was a strange choice just because she has no voice like why would I pick her when mm-hmm. I could pick Dolores Claiborne right and he said to yeah. me Dolores Claiborne is the most main character I've ever written and I said, okay. So I dutifully went and read Dolores Claiborne again. And then I read it again. Um, mm-hmm. And and he didn't really have much to say about it. I mean, she, we don't even know her first name, right? That's mm-hmm. how insignificant she is. So I've, I've given her a bit of life. Mm-hmm. Did I he, love that. Did he, uh, you know, when you were speaking to him, did he talk about some of his own favorite foods and like maybe even some of his own recipes or maybe some of his go-tos? I know he has, he always has that tongue in cheek anecdote about how he has the gloop, I think the, the spaghetti gloop that he used to make. And, um, which I think I actually did make a few years ago when I was like, I was like, that's not too bad because I love gloop of type spaghetti, but um, it's like cherry casserole too, with like cereal and like peanut butter that he fries or something oh really i didn't know that it was, yeah. it was interesting oh wow no he did not go into that at all <laughs> <laughs> that might be in an introduction not in an actual novel he likes to older stephen king maybe um now he, <laughs> he, he likes to knead bread he said so he bakes his own bread um, oh wow tabitha cannot smell anything um, and so her taste is really affected. So she doesn't cook anymore. So he is the cook. So I wow. and I, I don't know if you saw uh, that Twitter thing where he stuck a piece of salmon in a microwave for 30 seconds or yep. whatever and then did something else awful to it. He didn't even season it, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was, I was like, salt. Just put salt. 
<laughs> I can even deal with it if you just put salt on it. Um, <laughs> and so he and he has a salmon recipe. He has and he uh, he has cheesecake as his brain food. So mm, interesting. The cheesecake on the back of the book is from the body, and it's a blueberry cheesecake pie. So it's oh. all sorts of really good things. <laughs> oh, I'm making that for Thanksgiving this year. Actually, no epicac in it though. Yeah, <laughs> and that uses and that uses wild Maine blueberries, which are quite different than cultivated oh. blueberries. And that's something I learned. Um, actually, during the pandemic, I was going down our little grocery store on our little island, and I looked over, and there were Maine wild blueberries in the freezer. And I was like, oh, wow. wow, that's weird. Cool. I can make, I can use those. And I really like them. They're sweeter, quite a bit sweeter than regular. Yeah. And, so, and so you've made, have you made every one of these recipes? I wrote, created, and tested every one of these recipes. And then after that, I've got a group of 12 people that test all the recipes for me to make sure they work. Oh, wow. Do you have a personal favorite in the book? That blueberry cheesecake pie is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, inter and actually, funnily enough, also from the body is interstellar escargot. Yeah. Um, which I had a choice in that paragraph. It was Tibetan something or interstellar escargot. And it's just two little boys being creative about mm -hmm. um, And I decided to go with um, the escargot. And so I ordered on Amazon, got a myself several cans of very nice um french uh, snails mm -hmm. um and they're pretty like interstellar is a pretty good name like it's pretty alien when you open up a can yeah. of snails i know what snails look like so i was expecting it but it's a bit tough but it's actually a really i i like it because it's smart it's a smart fast recipe that anyone could make it's salt and pepper squid but i substituted mm. uh snails for the squid I've never had escargot, but I might try it with this recipe. <laughs> Did you watch this stand by me? The testers <laughs> all really liked it. I was quite surprised. Really? They've Aww. gotten brave. They've got they've tested 18th century Scottish food for me too, though. So they're pretty brave. But I would oh, yeah. say, yeah, that's a that's a high hurdle. <laughs> well, and you mentioned okay, well, escargot, we're taught that's a, a brave food, I believe. And then you mentioned Stephen King's microwave fish recipe. <laughs> Which I think you'd also have to be pretty brave. And there is a mention of food that I've always been fascinated by, and it's in The Long Walk. And it is when he talks about, I think it's McVries who brings raw hamburger. Yes. And there are a couple of other times in King's writing where he talks about raw hamburger. Like, I think in the body, they mold it around sticks and like roast it over a fire. So I was just curious, um, did you... <laughs> Did you consider putting any kind of raw hamburger dish in the cookbook? Or is that something anyone should That's even a eat? really, you can tell he's from a different time. Because uh -huh. I can remember my brother, all before food born illness, before any of that became a thing, I can remember my, my mother swatting my brother's hand away from the cutting board as she was forming hamburger patties because he was mm -hmm. eating raw hamburger and he loved yeah. it. My husband, it's supposed to be dangerous, right? Oh, well, now it would it, now. It, yeah. But that was a different time when the food mm. system was quite a bit different and there weren't so many of us. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I made, gosh, we're talking about the body a lot. I made um, those ham, that raw scorched hamburger, but I turned them into Sikh kebabs. So Indian spiced kebab, um, beef kebab. Ah, are fully nice. Now, if you want to make them rare, make sure that you get a grass fed <laughs> 
animal from a farm that you know. <laughs> and then you could probably and then you would probably be still be sick if you ate it yeah. wrong. <laughs> Were there uh, you know sections? I mean, going into this, did you have you know some favorite stories or novels that you just couldn't mind stuff from that maybe even disappoint you? You're like, God, I wish we could have been able to include this. Yeah. Yes. I, we, I, I really wanted like, um, thinner. I really wanted to include thinner ah. because that was what started it all. And I've got, you know, 35 pictures of a slice of strawberry pie. Um, mm. and we couldn't do that because it doesn't take place. It's in New Hampshire. Mm. And I, 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 I was like, eh, but there's other pies and other things. So that one we may never see. Um, but, you know, there's lots of books that aren't included, like The Dark Tower, all the fantasy books, um, those things. There's so much good food in those and there's so much um, room for creativity. But I, I like the focus of the main. I, I really liked it. When I pitched the idea, I, I didn't have that focus. The editor brought that focus and it's good because otherwise the, the book wouldn't be as creepy <laughs> as mm -hmm. it is um it wouldn't be as atmospheric we wouldn't have maybe jenny bravo who took all the photos and chantelle um lambeth who st styled all the food the mm -hmm. photos are creepy um they're dark they're moody and all the atmospheric ones from around maine she's done an incredible job and i'm uh, i really i'm sorry that we had to leave some books and some food behind but i'm mm -hmm. really happy with what we with what we worked with no i honestly i think that's it's so smart and we mm -hmm. so we've done a couple of film festivals and we really tried to stay to a theme and i remember when we did the first one we did was uh greetings from castle rock and so i really yeah. set rules similar rules for myself to be like all right they, they really got to be in the castle rock area i mean we kind of stretched it a little bit just because we like i think we played like played creep show that year and i don't think that there's i guess technically there's a mention of castle rock because of the the street sign that's on um you know towards the end of the Jordy Verrill. but <laughs> even then i was like i we had the, the programmer at the, the the theater is just like you know you don't have to stick by these rules and i was just like no we do we have to <laughs> yes, stick by the rules. <laughs> it's a theme it's a big it's so important um yeah. so i look i applaud you for sticking to the theme and and, and mm -hmm. going with it um oh so, thank you yeah. Um, well, I wanted to ask about the imagery because the cookbook, I love the look of it. And it looks like it feels like Maine, but it also feels very like down home and really accessible and kind of rustic. And I was just wondering, were there specific reference points you used for the imagery and for like designing some of the pictures of the recipes? I, a cookbook author has very little to do with really. Um, and, and often, very little to do with the cover. I've been lucky in my career. I've um, had a voice in all of them. Uh, the, they shot down in Maine and they shot mm -hmm. all food in one week. And the week after they had finished, the Canadian and U.S. border opened up. So, oh, wow. I, so I couldn't go. I missed it oh. by a week. I missed it by a week. Um, but I saw the dailies every day. Um, and the... Um, art director from Tenspeed Press was with them for the first couple of days. Tenspeed's been really great and, and treated this like a serious cookbook, which has been difficult um, to get people to take them seriously in my career. Um, and, and then once those first dailies came back, we really just let them fly because they were doing, they got, they got it so well. I'm not a particularly visual person. 
um, I work mm-hmm. with words and they got what we were looking for so well that it's really Jenny's baby, all those photos. I, 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 I had a voice in picking some because we had so many, especially exterior shots. We had so many great ones to choose from. Um, mm-hmm. that, but it was a good group collective effort that put the whole thing together. And it's to so it hard. Like, like food pho- photography is so hard. My, my, um, mm-hmm. my ex-wife did, uh, was in marketing or like, like food marketing. And she would say, I remember she'd come home like after an eight hour shot shoot and they'd, they'd be like, well, we got the burger. And I'm like, what? And it's like yeah. eight hours. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I just, yeah, and she just said it was like, yeah, you have no freaking clue how much work goes into one photo that you usually see in professional settings. It's just, it's oh, a lot. Um, and and that's why I, I, I mean, that's why I think it's amazing. I think they shot 45 or 50 food heroes, they call them in a week. Yes. Um, so they were making a lot of food and they were shooting a lot of food and it all looks amazing. Yeah. It really really and good. some of it's, some of it's quite hard. Like, you know, comfort food sometimes can be hard to make look good, but there's a picture of bolognese that looks like a, like a, a Renaissance painting. And there's a couple <laughs> of other pictures like of mushrooms. There's a full spread of mushrooms and a full spread of a lobster and they do, they look just like Renaissance paintings. Amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the French uh, toast casserole photo is the one that was like <laughs> I, doing research. For, I was just like, God, just you know, order breakfast right now. You want to order breakfast? It's like eight o'clock at night. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, this, it's just a beautiful book. But um, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to talk about the fictional characters for a second, though, because like one of the things I really love about this that just really astounded me is kind of going back to what I was saying with the, the you know the theme. And this is right in our wheelhouse because even in our episodes, and I get a lot of uh, guff from a lot of the co-hosts because I spend a little bit too much time setting the scene. Like we did an episode on The Shining and I think I spent like 15 minutes uh, doing the whole monologue from The Shining and then also acting like we were in the office and, you know, trying to create the scene. So I really love the personalization uh, here with the with, with the, cook, the cookbook and having the characters, um, you know, when was that? Was that always the idea that you had or did it come naturally? Was there, um, you know, for the long walk, was it just that you went chronologically to start in that place because of the King's timeline? What was um, what was the conceptual nature of that that aspect of this all? That was an idea from 10 Speed Press. I'd never done anything this immersive or this in world before. Um, and I was a little terrified, to be honest, um, and I was really terrified that at the end of it, Stephen King was going to look at it and say yay or nay about it. But it grew. It, it, it grew from a suggestion. And I think I took it sort of, <laughs> I took it really far. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I'm really happy that I did. It's the most creative thing. You know, writing recipes is like, I tell people is like writing a VCR repair or a VCR instruction manual. <laughs> except Every recipe is a different brand of VCR. So there's a Sony, mm. there's a Toshiba, there's a blood, there's a, there's a set way that you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to stretch my legs and write like 500 word introductions at the, at the beginning of every chapter in this person's voice that I've kind of made up um, was amazing. I'm not a world builder. I'm never going to write a novel. That's mm-hmm. probably the most creative type of thing I'll ever do is I, I work in other people's worlds. I'm really happy to, to pick and choose from other people's worlds. Um, mm-hmm. And I would, I, I, I don't, I totally want to do it again. 
it was it was it had me jazzed the whole time I was doing it. it I really enjoyed writing and and normally um, after the recipes are written, when you have to write the intros for chapters and stuff, it can be really dry and it can be really tough to say tasty and delicious mm-hmm. without saying tasty and delicious. Yeah. So, this, um, yeah, this was yeah. Uh, it was a suggestion that we started with and it just kept growing and growing and partially because we were in that pandemic and it was so everything, everybody was in such an insular space and I had this time to think creatively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's perfect for King's writing because when you read a Stephen King story, you feel like you're entering his world. And this just feels like a part of that. You know, it feels like a piece of Stephen King's dominion, as we call it on the podcast. <laughs> and one of the things that I noticed, um, I'm a huge fan of the story Grandma. So okay. whenever she pops up, I always take notice. Um, yeah, I but thought I you, also, Jen, when I was getting oh, yeah. this, I was like, she's just going <laughs> to lose her mind over this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I talk about Grandma and Mrs. Todd. I talk about all the time. Um, but also Dolores Claiborne. She's one of my favorite characters that Stephen King has ever written. Um, and I noticed that a lot of the characters that we've been talking about and that pop up in the book are his female characters. Mm. And, you know, I don't want to generalize, but I find that, you know, a lot of times um, women carry culture through cooking which I think is a really kind of beautiful way to pass on traditions. And I was just curious, do you have any um, particular favorites in of his female characters? I really love Grandma too. Um, and that was one of those, like, her, I mean, it's not a very delectable excerpt. I mean, she smells like yeah. eggs and I've made poached eggs. Um, <laughs> but uh, Dolores Claiborne, I really like Lisey's story. She's not, mm. um, I don't think Lisey's somebody I would hang out with, but there's something about her, that story that I, I, I really, really enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Sadie, I, I, I really, wow. I really, I, yeah, Sadie really, that book touches me. Every, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, again, we haven't gotten to the book yet because we're doing like a chronological reread. <laughs> okay. So everyone, and we got, we actually, I think we just got like a few, a three-star review because they're like, no, 1122 re- review. And I was like, well, we're getting <laughs> like, there. We haven't gotten you know, uh, I mean, <laughs> oh, that is, that is a, that is a novel that like the love in that, the love story in that book, like, I, I feel like I needed to go to therapy after the book. Oh, so like, I just no. was like, I couldn't get over. I was like, I can't, be- I, I can't believe I'm not going to be living with them anymore. Like I love yeah. this, I love this yeah. love story so much. Um, yeah, I, it's uh, that one especially gets me. Um, Did you find that there were um, any particular characters that you liked to write as, or that you kind of, as you were going through that you wished you could have thrown in that you weren't able to? I, well, I certainly adopted the voices of a few and, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I tried not to make it too cheap. There's not, there, there's, I allowed myself one eye up in there. A, <laughs> I don't even I know that. how to say it. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not we sure. don't need it. We always, we always mess it up, but I'll have, <laughs> I'll have my ears um, wide open when I go down there listening for it. Yeah. There's an idea for maybe a second um, cookbook. And I, I think there. I have another voice in mind and, and doing it a little bit differently, maybe, um, because Mrs. Garrity, boy, I I've stretched her, I think to the, to the limit. (laughs) I wanted to ask too, because you've mentioned the stories that you weren't able to include because they don't take place in Maine. Would you, would this book that you're talking about maybe be a non-Maine Stephen King cookbook? Yes. Yeah. And, and we're, 
we're just in the middle of figuring it out. We have, we have an important yes that we have been given. So I have permission to work on it. Um, And I'm headed towards a fantasy cookbook. So the dark, uh, the dark tower um, and anything, anything that has Randall flag in it connects um, to the dark tower. So the stand would be in there. Eyes of the dragon would be in there. Fairy tale could be in there. Um, Then there's lots of short stories that he links to the dark tower. So there's definitely enough material. Yeah. You'd have uh, a lobstrosity role. Yeah. Oh, yeah like, <laughs> I actually, at this point, it's a lobstrosity lumpia, which is a Filipino Ooh. egg roll. Oh, um, just yum. Because yum. lobster roll is just a That's bit. That's a very main thing. And right? it's just a bit too easy, too. Like, it's not yeah. really a recipe. You know what I mean? Toss mm-hmm. lobster in mayo. Yeah. Put on bun. <laughs> monstrosity is just such a fun word yeah oh it is like yeah no no i've been playing with that i have i have almost an entire spreadsheet just devoted to monstrosity oh really (laughs) wow the number of things you could do with it that yeah the first thing i thought of when the 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 cookbook before i knew it was main centric was uh the gunslinger burrito i think that was the first thing that some of our listeners were saying and i can Mm. imagine how much fun that could go with uh with that popkins 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 yeah yeah Yeah. i think it's my number one twitter demand that i get thrown at me and i'm like oh dear (laughs) i can feel some one star reviews on amazon coming now i'm sorry guys it's only in maine but we're trying we're working right I think I, and I think a lot of it is that, um, you know, you know, with that, how much research you've done, I have to imagine that this next one would probably be a little easier. Right. Or is it going to be just as hard <laughs> to put all together? Well, it's it's I really enjoyed it. But the last two weeks of putting it all together, making sure that my voice is consistent and I'm mm-hmm. talking about the right thing and what I'm saying is actually right. And I'm not I because, you know, when you're looking on the Internet, sometimes things aren't always accurate. Um, mm-hmm. So getting three, at least three sources of everything when I'm talking about it, when I'm talking about a story in Mrs. Garrity's voice, just to make sure I'm accurate because I've, I've worked in fandoms before and I know how important it is to get things right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and then you have the added demand of making sure the recipes work as well. So you're really kind of playing in a lot of different accuracy worlds you know yeah it's challenging i think that's why i had so much fun writing in this fictional voice this time because it did add a layer of complexity and it it, i I wasn't just doing another outlander kitchen book but for stephen king it really is quite a bit different Mm -hmm. yeah you you can really feel king in the book you know oh thank you thank you well it's it's interesting too because we we actually just had bev vincent on last week who uh, also has a book out uh, this month and um he is in he would you know one one of the revelations he had was that uh it's impossible to create a map of castle rock um so (laughs) but the, the silver lining here is that at least we have a cookbook that is yeah. coming from Castle Rock. So that's a, that's, that's a, a win-win, I would say. On, and, the cookbook has, and the cookbook has a map. Yes. Not a Castle Rock, but um, a foodie kind of map of me. That's well, quite yeah. I, and I love it. And I, I think, I think honestly, all the listeners and the, and the constant readers are going to absolutely eat this up, literally and, and metaphorically. <laughs> but uh, we are really excited to that this is finally going to be out and that we're also mm-hmm. going to be going to Maine. And I think that... 
I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm, just, I'm tossing this out there, Jen. I think that we should probably try to cook some of this stuff while we're in Maine. I was are... gonna say that. Yeah, we're gonna have an Airbnb in yeah. Bangor, and I think we should. Wow. When are you doing that? What? When are you doing that? Next like week. In a week. Yeah. So we're leaving <laughs> oh in a goodness. week from now. Yeah. So yeah. we'll uh, we'll have to let you know how uh, some of these come up, and I know for a fact that. We're certainly going to be sharing them on socials and we're definitely mm-hmm. going to, you know, be oh, asking our listeners to tag us for, for recipes too. So, oh yeah. Um, or for when they cook them and we'll share them and yeah, stuff. So sure. yes, I, yes. But, Castle um, Rock Kitchen. We love, I love how, I love people that tag their, when they. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. This has been an absolute blast. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, you know, let's, let's connect down the road sometime. And I'm really looking oh, yeah. forward to another book. This, uh, this one is an absolute delight and constant listeners get it now. Seriously. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, this is, a a must have for the collection. Would you say get it while it's hot? Get it while it's hot. Yeah. Let's <laughs> Ooh, pun, puns galore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, have a great afternoon and we'll, we'll keep in touch. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone. <laughs> it was a nice interview. I, I, I I personally really want a mid-world cookbook, even though I'm not a huge Dark Tower fan. So Same. Uh, I feel like maybe that can be our way in. You know how, like, I don't think either one of us liked Lacey's story until we saw the show. Maybe yes. it's that we don't like the Dark Tower until we eat, like, a Dark Tower cake or something, you know? You know what? It's, I'm glad you brought up Lacey's story because <laughs> I didn't bring it up during the interview. But Eating nasty. Is, <laughs> it is, it, exactly. And this is... This Lisey story does take place in Castle Rock. It's at yeah. least, you know, outside of Castle Rock. I think Castle Lake it takes place on. Where was the Hamburger Helper? You could have done I some know. sort of Hamburger But maybe, you know, it is it is just specifically Hamburger Helper. So it's like, you know, Teresa was probably like, eh, I don't really want to get involved it's pro- in that one. Yeah, she, I mean, if she is a listener of the pod, she might remember how we had to scrub a bunch of episodes. So maybe she doesn't want to have to like reprint the book and take hamburger helper trademark words out. That is know? true. That is true. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I think we all we know how to make hamburger Hamburg helper. Helpings or something. Hamburg helping. Yeah. The, 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 the big helper eating, eating nasty and uh, helping out. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah. I will say that's that is one Kingian dish I do know how to make, and I also forgot to mention this before. But uh, the gloop that Stephen King famously made uh, when he was living, I, th- I think before Carrie, actually, mm-hmm. um, it was what he fed, I think Joe, and also himself. I've made it multiple times. It's one of my favorite things ever. He the recipe somewhere online. I think he did it as a joke, tongue in cheek. But um, so if you can't make any of the recipes here in Castle Rock Kitchen, uh, <laughs> you got the gloop and you got hamburger helper, and that means that you're still somewhat in King's Dominion. But I urge you to pick up this book and just try yourself. I, I mean, it doesn't yeah. hurt to try it. Like I, I mentioned before in the intro, I did all the Blue Apron stuff. I managed to nail it. There were a lot of times when I didn't nail it though, like I mentioned before, but even with the blue ribbon box, when they gave you this, the, you know, the, the ingredients and everything, my girlfriend Sammy can attest to it. I fucked it up so many times, but I still came <laughs> back and I tried. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, that's what it takes with, uh, with some of these recipes. And also beyond that, and Jen, you could attest this probably. I mean, like there are a lot of really fun stories in this, in this book. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I kind of just want to read it like yeah. going through and reading Mrs. Garrity's voice. Like I loved all the quotes to introduce. Like that was really fun for me just to see what quotes she paired with what recipes, you know, which yeah. is, was really cool. And there's a good range of like skill levels too. Oh, I totally. Think, you know, like, I, I, f- I feel like desserts are sometimes hard, but I feel like they're at least some of the breakfast stuff. I think is reasonable enough. I think right. French toast is not that hard. I think it's not. Go. It's essentially bread with eggs and 
yeah. you put it on a hot thing. Yeah. So, and maybe watch Cujo. Maybe watch Louis Teague's right. Cujo while, while uh, <laughs> you're eating French toast. <laughs> um, eating nasty. <laughs> eating nasty with the French toast and uh, with the dog, Cujo. Um, that should have been my nickname, Eating Nasty. Man. Oh, God. I don't know if it was you want right that. there. <laughs> yeah. We're like going, in, going into like serious episodes and you're just like, hey, I'm Jen Eating Nasty. Today we're going to be talking about, you know, it's like a serious book, like 11 2263. Right. Um, <laughs> Well, what do we got next? Well, we've got a busy October up ahead. Holy hell. And you know what? As this was a busy month for us because we uh, we, we got ahead of ourselves. We, we recorded many of the episodes that are uh, coming up ahead. Uh, next week, the first one to kick it off, ring, 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 answer the phone. It's Mr. Harrigan. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Harrigan's call. <laughs> Mr. Harrigan's phone is coming to Netflix and we got a review going to you. And we also... Um, and I'm recording this on Monday and we're going to be hopefully speaking on Tuesday. So hopefully I'm not eating my, my, uh, my words here. Uh, we are going to be talking to, uh, the star Jaden Martell. So of it oh, also so cool. chapter one and chapter two. So, yeah. um, I'm hoping it's a good conversation. Why should be an absolute disaster, but I'm jinxing it right It'll now. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> Let's hope it is. Um, but you get, you know, you can look forward to that. And also, um, by now, I believe our book episode for Fairy Tale should be in our Patreon. So yeah, um, that is all nineteen three... hours of it. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, <laughs> fucking Christ is a long episode. <laughs> we went on forever with that, and you can get it now at uh, in the Barons Patreon.com slash the Barons. But if you're thinking, I'd really want to spend five dollars. I didn't read Fairy Tale. Uh, that's not my chronological reread. That's fair. But guess what? You got some reading to do still because we got Wolves of the Kala coming at the end of the month. Uh, in the main feed, which then we're going to be following quickly with the uh, Song of Susanna. And then also, because we are just sadists, we are going to <laughs> be going right into the Dark Tower, the all 1,100, 1,200 pages of it for December. So I mean, a lot of reading it's ahead. It's like 1,500 <laughs> at least pages. Like yeah. Close to 2,000 pages we're going to be covering in the I next know. Like, three months. <laughs> I, I cannot believe it that we decided to, to do this. I think we're a little crazy. The thing that I I'm... Know. <laughs> I'm really elated knowing is that I'm not on any of them. So uh, <laughs> and neither are you. Jen. I mean, same. Right. Exactly. Hey, we are your Dark Tower deniers, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. I, I imagine but. you'll probably be on a lot of the long watches uh, with us because. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was imagining. We'll we'll be picking up the slack as they're they're making their way to the tower. Yeah, because we're going to have uh, we are going to be doing a long watch on the mist in november for its 15th anniversary so that'll be fun um With mr thomas jane i'm trying I, honestly <laughs> I, i'm throwing this right here I, I the pitch is out i'm trying to get him back um Uh-oh. you know uh, that's one of my favorite interviews we've ever done um yeah and i really want him back on the pod and we can that's go all one. in on the miss because i think we only went really all in on 1922 oh because that's right i remember listening to that because it was yeah, right before like, 1922 came out yeah. yeah it was like a more career encompassing stuff and then he went really in on the absence that was over i guess the whole cast on <laughs> dreamcatcher we're going into it was fun but we're hoping we get him back we're hoping that you come back because we got so much content so uh stick around it's gonna be a really fun spooky season a really fun october and a really fun holiday season too so uh yeah. shall we sign off yeah let's all sign right. off I'll see you soon over long days. Days and pleasant, pleasant nights. This is the end of our show for now. 
Tune in next week. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs>